Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Hakun Wong, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me, as always, is senior staff writer and co-host Ryan Whitfield. And today we have a special treat for you because we have Nick Sparks of the Beerfield Fantasy Football Podcast returning to join us again. Nick, I think this is your third time on the show, so you now have the distinction of having the most guest appearances on our, on our show throughout our 104 episodes. How does that make you feel? Does it make you feel happy, sad, do you regret ever meeting us? Just tell us how you feel about that. I'm quite excited, and I think I deserve some intro music here at some point. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I think we will have to build in some special Nick Sparks intro music before we uh, get to our uh, 200th episode, at least. You're, you're really pacing us at this point. All right, we got lots to get to today. We're uh, going to continue on our theme of best foods for game day, but this time we're going to be focusing on the top three favorite beverages, the adult kind and otherwise. And then we'll be switching over to help all of you with your PPR fantasy football draft as we highlight our current top ten at every position. So let's go ahead and get this thing started. All right, last week we uh, discussed our top five favorite game day foods. And as you might recall, we had some good solid options as well as some specialties from around various NFL stadiums uh, around the league. Well, we're doing it again, and this time we're focusing on beverages. And who better to join us for this discussion than Nick, who discusses specialty beers each and every week on the Beer Field Fantasy Football Podcast. So, Nick, let us have it. What, do you, what were your top three Favorite beverages. I'm not going to limit you to beer, although I know you know a lot about it. But what's your top three favorite beverages for NFL game days? Well, beers obviously are coming in at number one, and I'm just going to keep it as one category because I'm not consistent in which beer I'm drinking. It's usually just trying to find something new on tap. Um, yeah. Half the fun, I think, of drinking beer is trying new stuff and seeing if you like it. Yep. Uh, number two for me, uh, especially for noon kickoffs or uh, London kickoffs especially, is going to be Bloody Marys. Oh, yeah. Uh, Option to start in a day with one of those is often my go-to. Uh, and then if it's a later night or a Thursday night game, I'm often going for a Captain and Coke. All right. That's actually, that's a, that's actually a good spread there. Let me ask you this, because I happen to be an early morning Bloody Mary person myself. Your vodka of choice is? Uh, Tito's or Sky. All right. Nice. I actually love the Absolute Pepper. If you haven't tried Absolute Pepper in a Bloody Mary, that is fantastic. I'm just saying, it'll get, you'll kickstart your day for those 9 a.m. start times for uh, – or, uh, or 8 a.m. start times for you guys. I guess 8.30 a.m. start times for you guys for those U.K. games. All right, Ryan, why don't you uh, take it away here? This is uh, your kind of your baby here. What are your three top beverages for NFL game day? Yeah, so uh, I, I took a little bit of a different route. Um, I went a specific one in three different categories. So to start off, uh, as trashy as it is, um, since, I, uh, since I was seven years old, I cannot resist Mountain Dew. So if I'm having All a sober right. Sunday... You best believe I'm drinking Mountain Dew, um, but I try not to keep it in the house because uh, I literally will, will drink a two-liter in one sitting if I have the option to. So I try to limit to just football season and uh, once a week at that. So that's the story. And the Mountain Dew Company uh, thanks you for it. Yeah, I'm, uh, I already applied for uh, for uh, for a spot ad next uh, next show. Um, but number two uh, is I'm a, I'm a huge fall beer guy, and actually my first time on the beer field fantasy was the. Uh, the beer I uh, I shouted out that I was drinking that night, and that's uh, Shipyard Pumpkinhead. 
Um, one of my oh, favorite yeah. fall beers is uh, easy to go to. I like some ones stronger flavor, but on a Sunday afternoon, that, that one goes down pretty easy. And then option three, um, I'm actually going to mirror Nick a little bit on this. It's not Bloody Mary, but uh, two years ago during Super Bowl 51, at halftime I stood up when the Pats were down 20, uh, it was, uh, 21 to 3 at that point. Yeah, 21 to 3, and told everyone to get out of my house, and they would not, uh, at which point <laughs> I decided I was not going to remember it if I had to sit through the rest of the game. So we started taking shots of Tito's vodka, um, and we actually convinced ourselves in the third quarter that's what was uh, turning the tide in that game. So after every every position from the third to fourth quarter on, um, we were uh, taking shots of Tito's. And long story short, I told my girl I went to bed at 1. I woke up at 3.30 in the morning, uh, or I woke up the next day, and I had Snapchat at 3.30 of, uh, of me completely uh, blacked out um, yelling into Snapchat. So that was a long night with Tito's. Uh, Tito's just because of the good luck factor. Oh, yeah, yeah, and then and, and if it's just bad luck, then who cares? You won't remember it anyway, right? So it's uh, kind of a win-win scenario there for you. So, hey, I'm going to take a, another totally different approach to this. I'm actually going to talk about, I'm going to continue what I did last time and talk about foods that I liked from NFL stadiums around the country. I'm going to talk about my top three NFL stadiums for drinks. Uh, so I'm going to highlight, and this is just my experience. I haven't been to every single NFL stadium in the country, but these are the ones that I remember uh, vividly. So the first one is M&T Bank Stadium with the Baltimore Ravens. They have a wide range of flying dog beers, originally from Aspen, Colorado, but now made exclusively out of Frederick, Maryland. I love the fact that the Ravens feature a local brewery like Flying Dog and provide lots of different beers from that brewery. Just totally beats the pants off buying a $10 Bud Light. So I... So kudos to you guys, uh, Ravens, uh, for doing that in MT Bank Stadium. Number two, and you're going to like this one, uh, I think um, Ryan is still at Stadium, but the home of the New England Patriots, because they, uh, they previously housed the Patriot homebrew competition there on site, and they had a Samuel Adams brew house there as, o- as well, and was the only stadium serving Samuel Adams Patriot homebrew smoked porter, which I thought was really good, uh, until, of course, the beer company decided to move on. Uh, but they still have plenty of options there with New England craft beers, including a selection of well-known local breweries like Berkshire and Allagash. And I can say this, I'm actually a big, big fan of Allagash. I uh, stopped at their tasting room in Portland, Maine last summer, and it is it's fantastic. Why? Because they have a whole bunch of exclusive brews, and they're all free. So, you know, if you're going through Portland, Maine, go to Allagash. That's, like, that's fantastic. So I always think of that when I go and catch a game out there. And last but not least, I will give a shout-out to CenturyLink Field, home of the Seattle Seahawks. They have more than 30 different beers for sale there at the stadium, including at the new Brogham Beer Hall. Now, that wasn't there when I went there, but they did have the craft house there. And like the Ravens, the Seahawks featured brews from hometown breweries around Northwest, including Elysian Brewing and Two Beers Brewing um, and, you know, um, and others. So I, I was uh, – and, and in addition to that, and I will say this only because – it was relevant to me because my wife's not a big beer drinker. They actually had a fine selection of Washington wines there as well at CenturyLink Field. So, you know what? Kudos to you guys, Seattle, for getting that all out there at your stadium. So there you go, everybody. You got Nick's take. You got Ryan's take. You got my take. Top three beverages. Hopefully you get to partake of that at your next game day or at your next game. So let's go ahead and ring the bell on that. And let's get serious. Let's talk about some of this fantasy fantasy football stuff because, you know, we're getting closer to the preseason, only a month and a half away. And with more information, I know all of our rankings have been impacted. So let's go over position by position our top 10 for fantasy football PPR leagues. So, Nick, why don't you go ahead and kick us off with uh, your quarterback list? 
Do you want me to do one at a time or full full list? Uh, why, why don't you go ahead? You know, feel free to go through a full list, but highlight them as you go if you like. All right. Uh, so Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson are going to top my list at one and two. They are my only tier one quarterbacks in this league um, for 2018. They've proven it year in and year out at this point. I have zero issues with either one unless there is a major injury. Uh, Wilson is slightly below Rodgers due to the loss of weapons he had in this season, but his legs should still keep him as a tier one quarterback. Moving on to tier two, I've got five names here. I've got Tom Brady, Cam Newton, Kirk Cousins, Carson Wentz, and Matthew Stafford. Uh, Cousins and Stafford are going to be the two safest ones in this tier, um, outside of obviously Brady. Um, Those two I like to highlight because I think they're going to be safe mid-tier QB1s year in and year out. Wentz, I have a few concerns about regression with his efficiency rate and coming off the ACL tear. Newton can be a bit bipolar at times, but he generally finishes a top half QB1. And Brady even with losing Edelman for a few games, should still be a top four or five quarterback. Uh, To round out my last uh, 10 here, I've got Drew Brees, Deshaun Watson, and Jameis Winston, who I'm much higher on than consensus. Uh, He's a guy that I'm targeting in a lot of drafts this year. And if you you project him out outside of the shoulder injury last year, he would have easily finished as a top five quarterback. And his efficiency numbers were the best they've been of his career in year three. So I'm hoping year four with the developing James Scott or Chris Godwin, gets him to a top-tier QB. Excellent. Well, that's going to be interesting. Winston was something I did not expect in the top 10. We're going to go back to that in a second. But, Ryan, why don't you give us your top 10? Talk us along as you go. Yeah, so uh, some similarities at top, but I uh, definitely shook it up down the, down the stretch. Um, I also have Rodgers 1, Wilson 2, uh, and then I had Brady uh, in the third spot, and that rounded out my Tier 1 guys. Um, I'm higher uh, on Breeze. I had Breeze at four. I just think with Kamara and the and the developing weapons there, um, him and Thomas, I think that they're going to have a – I think he's going to have a big year. I obviously understand there's no run game there, but I like him there. Uh, Deshaun Watson I have at number five, which I hesitate because of the small size of the body of work, but if he's uh, anything like he looked like he was going to be last year in a full season, then I have him at five. I like Carson Wentz at six. I like Matt Ryan. Uh, I put up a poll question a couple weeks ago on wow. Twitter about uh, Matt Ryan, Derek Carr, and Mariota, who was most likely to leap up into the top 10. Consensus was Ryan, and that's how I felt too. Uh, so I had Matt Ryan jump up to seven, Cam Newton at eight. Uh, I know his feet will be there, but I just I have concerns about the weapons in Carolina. Um, at number nine, I had Kirk Cousins. And then at number 10, I had Matt Stafford booting Roethlisberger to the 11th spot. I think Roethlisberger uh, continues to – I will continue to have injury issues, and I think he'll miss enough games – um, that he'll he'll fall just outside the top ten this year. All right, so uh, I'm going to circle back on that as well because a couple surprises there and a couple things that lined up with what Nick said. But let me give you my top ten, and I actually uh, have a top tier of just two guys. It's Rogers and Wilson, but I am starting with Wilson at number one, and I'll talk I'll talk about that in a second because Nick, you actually kind of touched on why I think that. Wilson will actually be better uh, if, as a fantasy option, but only mildly. And then obviously I'm not going to make a strong case against Rogers at number three. I am all in on Deshaun Watson. I, I know I'm, I'm taking a little bit of a risk here. As you mentioned, Ryan, that small sample size, as far as we saw last year, can he repeat that? Can he continue? Can he grow on that? We don't know, but I, I like what I see. And I, and I really like to take a chance on him higher up on the order there. I got Brady at four. I got Wentz at five, Newton at six, Breeze at seven, Cousins at eight, Stafford at nine, and my big surprise, I guess, for all you guys is I got Jimmy Garoppolo at number 10. I, I, I just feel really – I feel like this guy's got to be something special. I've seen 
after watching the the games he started, the five games he started in the last season, I really liked what I saw. And the addition of Jarek McKinnon and the connection he has with them as, an, as the most active receiver in OTA so far, I think that actually has a uh, will will actually increase his value uh, in getting his in his ability of getting the ball to out of his hands and into active playmakers that can really make a difference. So let's go ahead and circle back because there are obviously a couple of standouts here. Nick, you have Jameis Winston in your top 10. Ryan, you got Matt Ryan in your top 10. And I have Jimmy Garoppolo in my top 10. Clearly all these things that are very different. So Nick, I'm going to ask you first, what do you think about Matt Ryan? And what do you think about Jimmy Garoppolo? Uh, and are they just outside your top 10 or are we crazy? Uh I mean, Ryan is just one tier down, but it's a big tier. So he actually comes in at number 18 for me, but that tier stretches all the way up to number 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's with guys like Rivers. Garoppolo's also in that tier. Mariota, Prescott, Luck. Um, Luck may jump out of that tier into tier three with the, him finally throwing again. That's right. Uh, my, issue, yep. my issue with Ryan, though, is he's generally just been a pretty inefficient uh, guy, and they tend to like giving a lot of touchdowns to Coleman and Freeman, which limits Ryan's upside. So it's possible the addition of Ridley will bump him back up into a mid uh, QB one again, but historically he's flirted with that kind of 12 spot. And I was picking guys who I thought could be home runs because I'm fine churning quarterbacks if it doesn't work out for me. Okay. And what do you like most about Winston that we got him into that top 10? Uh, The thing I like about him is he's the type of guy who can go off for 25, 30 point games. Um, We've seen that quite a bit from him in this career. And I think he's got some of the best developing weapons in the year with Howard and uh, Godwin both entering their second year here. Deshaun Jackson's got another year in the offense. He's coming into the year healthy, and he was putting up QB1 numbers in games he wasn't hampered with the shoulder last year. So I'm taking a shot that his uh, fourth year is a developmental season, um, and I know it's kind of a weird take because I haven't seen many other people high on him. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was surprised to see it there, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up in that top 10. Ryan, what do you think about the two guys that you don't have in your top 10? What do you think about James Winston and Jimmy Garoppolo? Are they just below your top 10, or are we nuts? So with Jimmy Garoppolo, for me, it was, you know, you, you know I'd love for that to, to be the case so that I can beat my chest about being right about him since 2014. <laughs> right, but um, with him, it's a, it's, it's a fact that it's a small sample size – and I know that that sounds contradictory because I said that about Watson, but have Watson all the way up at five. Um, but with Watson, there's more weapons there, and it's the the run, you know, what he can do with his feet and the create uh, the way he can create and being in a dome that just kind of gives him the edge over over uh, Garoppolo. I mean, if Garoppolo plays to what I think he's capable of playing, I wouldn't be stunned to see him in top ten. I had him just outside the top ten at thirteen on my list. Um, as far as uh, Jameis Winston, I have him at 15, but mainly because I just, you know, uh, Nick mentioned the shoulder injury last year, and I just feel like he's one of those guys that it's always something. And it, it's an intangible. I don't have a stat to back it up. It's just it's just from the eye test, it feels like every time I think he turns the corner, there's something there that, that hampers him and, you know, off the field, on the field, or, or just a bad gamer comes out and throws a couple early picks. And it just it feels like I've been fooled too many times when I think he's going to turn the corner or doesn't, that it, it was hard for me to bet on him. Mm-hmm. And what do you like most about Matt Ryan that made you put him all the way up at uh, seven? Well, the thing about Matt Ryan is he's inconsistently consistent or consistently inconsistent. <laughs> there we go. Um, yep. That he, so he had a bad year last year and I think that he was high in everyone's regression chart last year. So naturally for me, it means that I think he'll have a bounce back this year and that he'll be uh, 
a much higher caliber quarterback. I don't know that he'll finish all the way up. I think it was number six he did in 2016. Um, but, you know, seven, seven to ten in that range, I think he could finish. And for me, a lot of it comes from, as you know, and I know I haven't made it super public, but I'm right now in the, in the trial process with, uh, with Pro Football Focus, and I had to break down my first trial assessment, uh, Auburn mm-hmm. versus Alabama. And as down as I was on Calvin Ridley, watching him, on a play-to-play basis, uh, run in and out of his routes. I'm actually much higher on Calvin Ridley than I was originally, which naturally mm-hmm. had made me have to bump up Matt Ryan. Right, right, okay. So, uh, Nick, I'm going to jump jump back to you for a second because I think we all had – we all agreed that Rodgers and Wilson were in that top tier. Uh, I actually think that Wilson should be taken ahead of Rodgers. Now, I'm not going to make a big, big deal out of this, but you touched on this, uh, what I liked about him, his rushing yards. In five of the six years he's uh, been a starter, he's had 90-plus rush attempts and 480-plus rush yards uh, in in those five years, and he averaged just over 545 rush yards per year. He is also the second-best career passing rating of any quarterback currently in the NFL. Of course, Aaron Rodgers is number one, (laughs) so I don't want to make too much of a big deal out of that, but he does average half the rush yards per year at about 262. Am I nuts if I were to take Russell Wilson ahead of Aaron Rodgers next uh, you're not nuts because before free agency in the draft, I actually had Wilson as my one. But after mm. seeing uh, after seeing Richardson and uh, Graham leave Seattle and not a lot coming in to replace those weapons, I'm a little concerned mm. that they're going to try to turn back into a run-first team, which may limit some of those gunslinging Wilson-type games that he can give you where he can go out and straight win you weeks. And we might be going back to season one, season two Wilson, where he's still very good, but he's not just dropping 40-point monster games for you anymore. All right. Well, I think that uh, fantasy football players can't go wrong, whoever they select. And uh, good luck to all you guys on the quarterback front. Let's ring the bell on that and move on to our running backs. Nick, why don't you get us started on your top 10 running backs for PPR? All right. So uh, top four is pretty universal. Just kind of what order you prefer them in. I'm a little strange, though. I've grabbed Ezekiel Elliott as my number one running back in this class, just because I think Dallas is going to be primarily a running team this year. Todd Gurley and Le'Veon Bell come second and third. I think both are going to be very good. Um, Gurley might see a slight reduction in touches this year with uh, Kelly coming in as the rookie. They may try to use him as a slight change of pace back. David Johnson rounds up my top four in my first tier here. Coming into my second tier, which does round out my top ten, it's Leonard Fournette, Saquon Barkley, Kamara, LaShawn McCoy, Dalvin Cook, and Melvin Gordon rounding out the top ten. Uh, I am confident enough to have Barkley as my six and a top 10 player overall in this draft. I think he's easily going to get 300 plus touches this season, and he is the best player I've ever scouted on tape. Uh, very excited to see him, and I'm going to try to grab him in the late first round of a few drafts this year. All right. So uh, can you, uh, just for just for my purposes, because I'm going to make sure this all goes up on the site as well, can you round out that last, last four there? I caught Gordon at the end. Did you head after Kamara? Uh, McCoy, Cook, Gordon. Oh, interesting. Okay, so uh, let me ask you about McCoy. Now, what makes you like McCoy there? Because I mean, the, the industry has been kind of down on LaShawn McCoy and the fact that they just don't have much of an offense going into the uh, Buffalo Bills. Uh, I mean, that's kind of the point is I think he's going to be struggling. It's going to be a tough year for him. But LaShawn McCoy seems to play every single game. He can handle a very large workload, and he's going to get absolutely fed because there's just nothing else there in Buffalo. They're going to try to protect McCarron or Allen, I expect him to get a lot of passing work. This is a PPR format, so I'm comfortable taking him there just strictly off pure volume. All right. So, Ryan, why do we turn to you for a second and tell me you walk us through your top ten running backs for PPR. So, number one, and this is a kind of drum I've been beating very loudly this preseason, 
Uh, I feel like because of the injury last year, people have lost sight of what an electric player David Johnson is. This is the man that two years ago had 14 straight games to open the season with 100 yards from scrimmage. He is the model of consistency, and I think he just came up shy of 2,000 total yards from scrimmage that year. David Johnson's my number one. Wow. Todd Gurley, two. Le'Veon Bell, three. And Zeke uh, at four, rounding out uh, my tier one. For tier two, I went Kamara at five, Hunt at six, Fournette at seven, Melvin Gordon at eight, and I had Saquon Barkley all the way at nine, which I know is blasphemy to a lot of people, but I just don't trust that offensive line in New York. I've been saying for years that I don't think Eli Manning uh, is, is a top-end quarterback anymore, so I think um, you're going to be able to load up a little bit against uh, against this, this you know bad offensive line that ranked 30th last year and, and play and put big man fronts out there and really limit the amount of space Barkley has to work with. So it's, it's more of a, a statement on the offense overall in New York and some of the other issues more than it is about Barkley. And then at number 10, rounding out, I had to take my boy Dalvin Cook. All right. So I will, uh, I'm going to circle back to all that in a second because I have a different number one uh, for my running back uh, list. I have Todd Gurley at the top. I got Le'Veon Bell at number two. I actually am really in on Alvin Kamara, and it's not just Ingram four-game suspension. I just think he is just a better back there, and in a pass in a PPR league, I just think he has so much upside. I like David Johnson at number four. I have Zeke at five, Melvin Gordon at six, Kareem Hunt at seven, Saquon Barkley at eight, Leonard Fournette at nine, and rounded out with Sean McCoy at ten. So let me ask you, uh, Ryan, because you don't have McCoy in your top ten. So what's your thoughts on, on McCoy? Is he just outside your top ten, or you you think that uh, you think that he's not going to be worth one of those top picks? No, yeah, I, I had I had a free, uh, Devonta Freeman going eleven, and then McCoy is my twelfth twelfth uh, guy. So rounding out the RB ones in the twelve team league. So I, I I don't I don't dislike McCoy personally. I, I understand that uh, he will not face. Um, there's not going to be a lot of competition for touches there. And I believe it was when I was on with the with Nick and the Beerfield guys a couple weeks ago that somebody said that he was actually one of the most productive uh, backs against um, eight-man eight man boxes and stacked defenses. It was actually he struggled more against base defenses, which is kind of a, an odd uh, transformation there, but um, or odd situation. So, you know, I, I like McCoy, but I just, I just worry about that Buffalo defense in general. Uh, I've been listening to uh, the late round podcast a lot, and he's done a lot of work to show that whether it's running back or receiver, even if they get a lot of the work, uh, guys who are on bad offenses tend to struggle more and that even, you know, even guys who are a second option on a good offense are in a better situation than the, than the lead guy in a bad offense. All right. So, Nick, I'm going to t- ask you about Saquon Barkley because Ryan did mention Saquon Barkley. He's near the end of his top ten. He's actually about near the end of my top ten as well. So you're slightly higher on him than us. What's your projection for Saquon Barkley in a PPR league, and, and why do you like him there at six? Uh, I got him for about 250 carries, about 60 catches. Uh, should put him probably around 1,500 total yards and eight or nine touchdowns is what I'm expecting out of Barkley. Wow. Wow. So so that you in, in your mind, do you think that he's pretty locked in for that type of production because of the way the Giants are built? Because my, my question, obviously, is I haven't seen a dynamic running back like this in the New York Giants system, uh, at least not one like Saquon Barkley. Are you kind of predicting that this is going to be how they use him and that Eli is going to start to use him as kind of a uh, as kind of a escape hatch in, in many situations? Uh, yeah, he'll get a lot of check down work. Uh, I'm happy with that offensive line now that they brought in Solder and uh, Will Hernandez. So that's going to help shore that up quite a bit. It should go from a bad offensive line to at least an okay one. 
um, or at least, you know, middle of the pack. So that should help shore him up and make sure that he's going to be good enough to continue on as a borderline top five, six guy, as long as he stays healthy. All right. Well, everybody get used to uh, Saquon Barkley. I think he's going to be around the league for quite some time. Let's go ahead and ring the bell. Move on to our wide receiver. He's running a little short, so let's go ahead and keep rolling. Nick, give us your top ten at wide receiver. All right. Top tier is pretty fast here. Antonio Brown, DeAndre Hopkins. That should not be too big of a surprise. Uh, second tier, Odell Beckham leads the charge, followed by Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, and Keenan Allen. And then uh, rounding out the last four, I've got three in the third tier, Julio Jones, A.J. Green, and Mike Evans. And then Doug Baldwin is in a uh, tier all by himself as my wide receiver 10 before dropping down to tier five. Oh, interesting. So uh, I'm going to circle back on that in a minute. Ryan, why don't you tell us what your top 10 is uh, for the wide receiver position? Yeah, so I had a bigger wide uh, tier one. I had uh, uh, Antonio Brown one, Hopkins two, OBJ three, and then Julio Jones up four. Uh, as you can tell, I'm moving up high on this Atlanta offense. I like him more and more the more I think about it. Five, I have A.J. Green. Six, I had Mike Thomas. Seven, Keenan Allen. Eight, Mike Evans rounding out my tier two. Uh, this was a late-breaking adjustment this afternoon after watching Luck throw the ball. The arrows are pointed up. I got T.Y. Hilton leading the third Ooh. tier at number nine now, and I have Devontae Adams at – at tier 10 or at, in the at number 10 rounding out my uh, tier three here for for Devonte adams i just think uh question marks with the concussions also i think uh you know him really taking the brunt of a full season as the number one guy um i know he was able to do it for the most part last year but i, I have to see it again to really buy in high on him all right so i'll give you my top 10 real quick deandre hopkins i have first that's right. I'm all in on this Texans offense. Then I got Antonio Brown. I'm not going to talk you out of that. Odell Beckham Jr. at number three. Julio Jones at four. Keenan Allen at five. Michael Thomas at six. A.J. Green at seven. Devontae Adams at eight. Mike Evans at nine. And rounding it out, Doug Baldwin. So let me ask you, Nick, uh, T.Y. Hilton is in Ryan's list, not in either of ours. How do you feel about T.Y. Hilton now that you've seen Andrew Luck throw at least a high school-sized football? I'm still waiting to see a little bit more out of uh, Luck before Hilton starts rising up my boards a lot. The spot I've kind of got penciled for him, if I'm confident Luck is going to be fine and ready to go, would be the 13th spot, sliding in just behind Stephon Diggs. Okay. And, Ryan, why do you hate Doug Baldwin? <laughs> well, that's, a, that's an interesting way to put it. Uh, no, I don't hate Doug Baldwin at all. I should love the way the guy <laughs> no, plays. I so I had him, I had him starting my, my uh, fourth tier at uh, – number 11 I just I am concerned about the rebuild in Seattle and the lack of weapons around him and I think there's going to be a lot that falls on him now and so I just I you know Seattle is just kind of a a, an scary situation for me it's giving me a buyer's remorse before I even buy on Seattle players right now okay let's go ahead and keep it rolling and move on to the tight end position all right Nick give us your top 10 at the tight end position for PPR uh it gets real ugly after a little bit here uh (laughs) Gronk and Kelsey are are my tier one guys. I've got Ertz in tier two by himself. Tier three is Greg Olson, Delaney Walker, Evan Ingram, and Kyle Rudolph. And then tier four is Jimmy Graham, Jordan Reed, and Trey Burton rounds out my top ten. All right. So I'm going to circle back to that in a sec. And Ryan, give us your top ten. There's literally only two differences on our list, and one's a tier difference. I got Gronk one, Kelsey two, rounding out tier one. For Tier 2, I left it bigger. I had Ertz, then Olsen, then Walker, then Engram, then Rudolph. Yes, we are, we are neck and neck, 7 through 7. 
Uh, tier three, I had Jimmy Graham at eight, and then here's the one difference. I had Trey Burton nine and Jordan Reed ten. So almost an identical list to Nick there. Oh, interesting. So I will say that I have a similar list, but a little, a little bit different order. Can't argue of Gronkowski at one, Kelsey at two, Ertz at three, but I have Evan Engram all the way up to four. I have a lot of confidence in what the Giants are going to do there with Evan Engram and his growth. Greg Olson at five, Delaney Walker at six, Jimmy Graham at seven, Trey Burden, I'm high on him at eight, and of course that might be because I'm a Bears fan, but I do think he has a lot of upside there in a in a very young and dynamic-looking Chicago offense. And then we got Kyle Rudolph at 9. And call me crazy, but I have Tyler Eifert at 10. I think if he stays healthy, he could be a real steal. Let's talk about Jordan Reed. Nick, what do you like so much about Jordan Reed? He didn't make it my list, but he made both you, yours and Ryan's. Uh, quite simply, that if he stays healthy with Alex Smith, who's shown that he is very willing to target tight ends who can get open, which Reed is very capable of, he will be a heavily used part of that Washington offense as long as he can stay healthy. If I thought he was going to stay healthy, he would be easily be in the top four or five for me. And does that apply at all for Tyler Eifert, or you just have more concerns about that particular system? Uh, I've got more concerns about how talented Eifert is. Eifert has always been more of a touchdown weapon. There's just so many bodies there competing for second targets in uh, Cincinnati that I'm generally trying to avoid secondary Bengals players. All right, so that is it. We're going to ring the bell on the discussion of the PPR rankings. Nick, thanks once again for joining us on the show, making history, being the only three-time guest we've ever had. Just goes to show how much we care. Everyone, Give the Beer-Fueled Fantasy Football Podcast a listen everywhere podcasts are found. And check them out on YouTube because they are even better on video. Nick, give us your social media accounts so people can follow you. Uh, if you're looking for us on Untapped, where we do beer reviews, Twitter or Instagram, it's at BeerFueledFF. Individually, I'm at Nick Sparts. Give us a follow. You can catch us uh, doing dropping podcasts Mondays and Wednesdays through August. And starting August will be Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Awesome. And uh, Ryan, give us your social media account so people can follow you. Yeah, everybody knows mine, at Ryan Whitfield, any and football underscore garbage underscore time. One thing before we go, I did want to say, just touching on Tyler Eifert, I did see a tweet today that Marvin Lewis was not out there. He said he was cleared to play or he was, he, the only reason he wouldn't be out there was for medical reasons. So I'm, I am out on Eifert. Okay. Well, I, I, I have my fingers crossed being, a, being another domer. I may be a little high on Tyler Eifert. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for wasting time with us. And until next time, enjoy your NFL week.